0: Listening to the home of cool, irreverent, and entertaining talk right
1: here on LA Talk Radio.
0: You're listening to Answers for the Family with Alan Alan Cardoza. Only on LA Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to another Catch Them Doing Something Good edition of Answers for the Family. I'm your host, Alan Cardoza. Every Monday from 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time to noon, my guests and I will bring you answers and options to raising children today and in our constantly changing future. Our guest today has coined a new phrase, youthologist. Vanessa Van Petten is one of the nation's youngest experts on parenting and youth. She wrote her parenting book, from a teen's perspective called You're Grounded, when she was just 17. After becoming a judge for the Mom's Choice Awards and launching her popular parenting blog, she is now on a national speaking tour reaching out to both parents and teenagers, talking about what young people really wish adults knew about them. Her blog and company, RadicalParenting.com, which she runs with 15 other teen writers, is read by thousands of teens and adults daily, and has been featured on hundreds of other parenting sites around the web as the only teen-written parenting blog. Vanessa, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm really glad to have you, and I uh, I know that Janet said that we're sort of you're sort of squeezing us in in between your tour, so I really appreciate it.
0: Oh yeah, no problem. I'm doing a, a lot of reporting. Uh, for CNN around the world about youth and parenting trends. So it's been a, a crazy fall, but all, all good. So.
1: Okay, well, i got to tell you, I, I'm glad to have you. I have talked to uh, to a lot of young people uh, saying that you know they know that I've had a lot of, of parenting experts that have been on that have written books and written uh, workbooks and seminars and stuff looking at it from the parents' aspect of it. So I'm just excited to have you on so that we can get it from the young people's aspect.
0: For sure, of course,
1: so uh, I know that uh, one of your latest things that you're working on uh you know that has to do with you know with social networking uh and in fact, and I had a chance to read a little bit of of you know the dirty e secrets of an internet kid um so let's start there because I know that we have got a lot of information to do and probably not a lot of time, but I think the biggest issue right now has to do with social socially network um so Let's talk a little bit about how Social Wing Network has changed the way teenagers interact today.
0: Sure. Well, first, um, the difference, I think, a lot of parents just getting the terms straight is hard enough. You know, their kids come home and they want to talk about Facebook and MySpace and Club Penguin and, you know, the kids set up the home computer, so how are parents supposed to implement any rules when they don't even know, you know, what some of the terms are. So the difference between a social network and a website is a social network is a place or a website where... Users come together based on a shared interest. So for Facebook, the shared interest is friends. For websites like YouTube or Flickr, the shared interest is videos or photos. So social networks are basically the new playground. And a lot of parents, they think, well, you know what? I'm afraid. I don't. I'm, I don't know. I don't understand it. I think it's too risky. I'm not going to let my kid on it at all. And of course, that is a parent's right to decide what's safe in your household. But what I always want to point out about this is that because this is a new playground, this is where kids are learning their social skills for the first time. When they go on the playground and they get pushed, you know, by a bully or something, they have four choices. They can push them back. Mm -hmm. They can go tell a teacher. They can ignore it. They can wait and tell you at home. And the same kind of thing happens for a child or a teenager when they're online. They get a bad message from someone. They get um, a friend request from someone they don't know, and they have a few choices, they can message back, they can report it to the website's admin, they can ignore it, or they can wait and tell you. And I think that those skills are really essential to build up because it's the new online playground.
2: Well, I
1: mean, what can we as parents do to help in that? And, and I know that, in fact, it actually, as you were saying that, I was thinking about, you know, the the playground situation, you know, and, and my son coming home and telling me that, you know, a, a much, much larger boy is... Um, you know is is threatened to beat him up you know if he doesn't give him money tomorrow and mm-hmm. and and all of all of my instincts started kicking in you know okay i'm going to talk to the principal and I'm going to take him over there myself and you know and all of these things and my son looked at me and he goes, "Dad, I can handle this I don't need you to fix it for me oh. you know and and at that time and i wanted, i think he he was twelve at that time, you uh-huh. know so I mean it seems to me like there are some same some of the same issues that we as parents are going to have to go through in this particular playground
2: also.
0: Absolutely. I th- so I think that what what's most important about the story that you just told is that you know what the playground looks like. You know you know how to find this kid if you work going to school, you know who the principal is. you know how to find his mother if you had to so the first thing that I think parents need to do is do the same thing for the online playground. They need to know what it looks like. You need to go into the websites that your kids are frequenting, whether this is you know I have four and five year olds who are on club penguin you have eight to eleven-year-olds who are on Webkinz and then you have Facebook and MySpace for the 12 and above crowd going on, creating a user, not necessarily to stalk your your kid, I know that's a whole other issue, but just to see what it's like. What is it like to message someone? What what does a home page look like? That's the first thing. Know what the playground looks like. The second is to know the rules. You know, I think that parents know what's appropriate and what's not appropriate on the playground, and I know who to report it to. I think it's the same thing on a lot of these websites, and and this goes for Twitter and AIM and GChat and all the different chatting services as well that kids are using. You know, know what's appropriate and what's not. What can you report to Facebook admin? They actually, Facebook is really, really good about um, stopping users who are sending out spam messages or anything threatening. So know where you would report it if something happens, and talk about it with your kids. So they can say, okay, here's, you know, just like they know who the hall monitor is, they know where the principal's office is, they should also know where's the report button in Club Penguin. Mm-hmm. What's the email address for admin? How do they take down or freeze their page? So just in case it does happen, they know what steps to take not to do it.
1: Well, yeah, it makes good sense. Um, now, in regards to some of the, you mentioned Facebook. Now, I have a Facebook page, and sure. I'm, and I'm getting the feeling that, um, almost along the same lines of, of style and fashion. As soon as an adult likes it or wants it, my kid probably doesn't want to want to do it anymore. So, <laughs> you know, you know. So, uh, you know, it, from that standpoint, Facebook may not be the one for him. So, what about the ones you know? They want to be in a different one and one that the parents aren't in. Um, sure. You know,
0: how- um, well, I also I think it's an important thing to know. This is you know, on the one hand, the gap between parents and kids is Ever growing, and on the other hand, Facebook is almost a happy medium. You know, I see mm-hmm. a lot of parents. They go on Facebook and they say, "I don't need to friend you. You can have your circle, and I can have my circle." You know, but I'm on there. If you want to put up some pictures from the reunion, or here, you know, here's your cousins. If you want to friend them, so it's sort of becoming a very weird bridge almost mm-hmm. in the generations. I know parents will send email or message their kids on Facebook to remind them about upcoming appointments. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's that aspect of it. Uh, also, So in terms of having it separate and, and having it be, you know, having kids have their own environment, there's a lot of different websites that kids are on now. Um, as I mentioned, some of the virtual worlds. So right. the difference between a social network and a virtual world is that a virtual world is a social network, but there's the use of avatars. And those are cartoon or fictionalized representations of yourself. So you see on Club Penguin, they have little penguins that walk around. On webkins they have sort of these little stuffed animals they can adopt and decorate and clothe and buy furniture for. And I do actually mean buy with real money. So if you see a lot of 70-cent charges on your credit card, that might be what it's from. Um, (laughs) Those virtual worlds are very, very kid-heavy, and parents aren't allowed in those worlds. Uh, You also see a lot, and I think this is the next trend, the next after Facebook. Kids are actually skipping Twitter, so what we're seeing a lot of next is niched. Social network, which is um, like ning.com, dot com, dot com. What this is, the place where kids can create their own private Facebook, and it's by invite only. So a lot of kids are doing this on special niche interests. For example, uh, we have a couple of our interns who are really into soccer, and so okay. they created a soccer, teen soccer Ning, and they're inviting all their soccer playmates. They invite people who they play in the finals. Um, they invite other soccer fans, and it's all about soccer and they have pictures on soccer and they have YouTube videos on soccer, and it's by invite only. So we're seeing a lot of kids moving into this um, aspect of social networking.
1: Okay. Um, so essentially, it's you know these are these are little niches that they can do, but it is somehow tied to Facebook as well. Is that what you're saying?
0: Uh, no, it's not tied to a Facebook. They're, they're social networks that look like Facebook. So oh, okay. it's the exact same functionality as Facebook, but they're on Ning.com. Um, and by the way, if I know that I go over some things a little bit fast, and I apologize That's okay. for that. We have um we have a bunch of free tutorials on the website where we have videos on how to set privacy settings and video tours of Club Penguin. So if I'm going over it fast, feel free to go to our website. We have all that stuff okay. up there that you can look at. The whole Our whole... Goal is to give parents the terms so that they're easy to understand.
1: Well, so. give uh, g- give everybody that website again that they can go to. And and first of all, just so you know, I love your energy, so don't feel like you need to slow down at all.
0: Uh, okay. <laughs> um. The website is radicalparenting.com. Okay. So and and we love you know any questions you have if you can't find something feel free to email us you know one of our interns will help you. It's great to see a 14-year-old who, you know, I, I say, here's a mom who, sh- her kid just went on Facebook, Will you give her a tour, and then she will do it for you, so it's a, a really nice way to have the two generations talking to each other.
1: <laughs> oh, that is fantastic.
2: I like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, we started it because one of the girls who we were working with, she's adorable, she's a, a 14-year-old, and she had come to one of our group teen intern meetings, and she said, oh, my mom is. So annoying. She won't leave me alone on Facebook and she just wants to know all my passwords and she was complaining about it. So what I did was is a few days later we get about 800 emails a day from parents. So wow. one of the emails was about letting her daughter on Facebook and it was a bunch of her concerns. And so I sent the email to this intern, her name is Sarah, and I said I'd like you to respond to the mom's concerns about Facebook. And she had to literally th- think through with a mom who wasn't her own mm-hmm. why you should or should not have Facebook or privacy settings, and it made her think very differently about it because kids so often are very open with their friends' parents but not their own,
2: mm-hmm.
0: so uh, it was a great way for her to sort of work through her own issues with her mom as well as helping out one of our readers.
1: Oh, that is great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I had a chance to kind of go through it a little bit, so I sort of, sort of bounced around a little bit uh, on the site, and it looks like it has a lot of incredibly good stuff. Um, now, one of the things that I want to make sure that we touch on has to do with relationships. Um, one of my concerns has been that that as we get into this digital world, that, that the concept of what a friend is and the concept of having a, a relationship with somebody is changing uh, and, and in many cases, I mean, not for the better. Um, share a little bit about that because I know that, that there are people now that are saying, you know, you got kids are saying, yeah, but you know, I've got 20,000 friends, you know. You know what? Yeah. You really don't have 20,000 friends. But um, it, depending on how you define a friend, and that's why I'm saying is, is that the relationship seems to be changing, or at least their definition of it.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And that's something that we talk about a lot. It's something that I'm very concerned about because I am not only working with parents who are having trouble communicating, but also employers um, who are saying we have this new generation of employees who are incredibly intelligent, but they're either socially illiterate. You know, they're very mm-hmm. awkward in terms of communicating in person um, or, you know, you hear a lot entitled, lazy, you know, those kinds of things. So it's something that I'm very concerned about. And we had this, we wrote an article about this that got a lot of press uh, and it's called Cotton Candy Friending. And what this is, um, when I got home from college, I was one of the first um, thousand people on Facebook. So I, w- I was an early adopter, and I was so excited because I came home to Los Angeles, I went to school in Emory in Atlanta, Georgia, and I came home to L.A., and I had, I think it was 1,200 or so friends. On Facebook, I was so excited to see everyone. And I felt like I had, you know, kept in touch with them so well over college. I'd been chatting with them and poking them. I'd read their wall and their news feeds. And if you don't know what those words mean, it basically just means keeping up on what they've been doing in their in their online worlds. Mm-hmm. And uh, about two months after I got home from school, my grandfather passed away. Mm-hmm. And I was very close with him. And I was just devastated. And this was a few, very, very soon after I got home. And so I called some of my friends who I hadn't seen but I had talked to online to come to the funeral with me or just to let them know because they had uh, known him as well. And it, I realized it was the first time I had talked to them in three or four years. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing that they said to me. You know, I was looking for anything. I was so upset. And they couldn't say anything to me. And we hung up the phone. And she texted me, I'm so sorry after we hung up the phone. And it was a moment where I realized that the way that we can communicate, you know, verbally and in person has gone down a lot. Right. And she was so uncomfortable she couldn't say I'm sorry to me, even on the phone. I couldn't imagine what it would have been like in person. And so I, I liken the online friendships to cotton candy. When kids are at a carnival they get so excited they want to see the cotton candy and they're like, please mom, please can I have one? It looks big and colorful and they're like it's definitely going to fill me up and tide me over till dinner <laughs> and then they eat it and you know it sort of leaves this fake chemical taste in their mouth um, they're hungry 20 minutes later for food yeah. um, it leaves their hands really sticky and I think it's sort of the same thing with online friends it looks really great it looks so exciting and it feels like it's going to be really fulfilling it looks so big but when you eat it or when you have these friends a lot of the times you're you're hungry for real connection afterwards and there's sort of this fake feeling that it leaves for you, and it can be sticky in that someone posts a picture you don't like or they write something on your wall that you don't really quite get the verbal inflection, whether, was it a joke or was it not a joke, and it mm-hmm. becomes very sticky. Um, and so I, what I say to kids when I speak to them, and I, I speak to students and adults, is it's okay to have these kinds of friends. It's totally fine to have online friends that, you know, are fun and exciting and maybe not very deep, but it's really important to know the difference between right. when you're eating cotton candy and you are eating a nutritious hearty meal <laughs> with your best friends, <laughs> because yeah. um, a lot of kids don't realize it and they're they're eating, you know, they're talking with these kids and they don't realize that they're hungry until it's too late, until they get into a, a situation that I had, which is when my grandfather passed away. Right. So I challenge parents to bring this up to their kids and even in their own lives to talk to their kids and say, Gosh, you know, I, I thought i had been keeping in touch with my sister from. Wisconsin, but you know what? I realize I haven't talked to her in months. Mm-hmm. I have no idea if she's happy, if she's sad, if she's depressed. So they can be aware that they have to differentiate between their real friends and their cotton candy friends.
1: Now, I think that's a great point. And do you think that it, it's also tied a little bit to this sort of a, you know, we sort of have the sound bite or microwave, you know, generation of everything is very quick and, and we're expecting immediate gratification? And, and using your analogy with the cotton candy, you know, you do get a quick sugar high. I mean, you know, you, you, get, yeah. the, you get this oh, quick, yeah. you get this quick high, but sometimes it also crashes. I mean, you know, after that, you kind of crash, I think, when you realize that there wasn't any substance there.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And you, and you do feel good and it sort of becomes, you know, sugar is a little bit addicting in a mm-hmm. sort of way. And that's why when you take a kid's cell phone away or you take, you know, their computer away, they really are, they feel like you're taking away their hand. Right. Um, And that's because, I mean, the most common question that we get by far is why do kids use social networks? Why would they want to put everything online? And when you ask kids, when you ask me, you know, I'm 24 and I'm on all the time, is I say, why wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. It's not really a choice for us. It's a lifestyle. And so taking it away from us is actually taking away a good part of our social interaction. But it's really important to know the difference.
1: Well and let me pose a question that was actually just uh, presented to me you know through our company and and besides doing the the transports that we do of getting teens to specialized programs we also do interventions where we're working with the family and and I I spoke with a family recently uh, and their child is now over 18 so they don't have as much uh, leverage in the things that they can do but he was still living at home and they found that he was um, He was involved in social networking sites, and uh, and anyway, he was going to websites that were inappropriate um, Mm -hmm. by their standards and by many people's standards. They were inappropriate websites. Their answer was to take the computer away completely, and they did. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is he then took off. And Mm -hmm. so what I've been trying to talk to them about is, is that, you know, you were concerned. They said their concern was that he was being influenced by... The people he was in contact with, and I, as I explained to them, now that he's over 18, I said, "You now, now that he's gone, you have zero influence. At least before, right. at least before, you had some influence because he was in your home and you could sit and you could talk about it. Now, what would you know, coming from a younger person's perspective, what would you say to parents uh, in that situation? Because I'm sure a lot of them are. They find that information. How can they um, kind of remove them from that?" that particular influence and yet not alienate them from their own.
0: Right. Well, the, the most important thing is to know that, and, and this is the truth, if if they really want it, they're going to find it. And this is a conversation that we had in the 80s and 90s about drugs and marijuana, mm-hmm. that you know, you could take your child away from the parties or you could ground them or you could get them out of their friend group, but if they really want it, they will find it. So the first thing that I think parents have to look at with their kids is is this something that he is looking for because he really wants it, or is it something that's an outside influence that's being presented to him? You know that's that's the first thing. So you know, is is your child online or appropriate in, in in an inappropriate forum because their friends are there? And that way that you know that that's how you know it's a friend stimulus. So you can make sure that they're getting exposed to new groups of people. Um, and you'd have to remove them from the situation, or is it something that they are seeking out on their own? Because if it's something that they're seeking out on their own, you taking it away is only going to alienate you from them further.
1: Right, right. And, that, and that, is,
0: was... that is usually the case. And I think that the most important thing is to build resiliency, and that's one of the hardest things I think parents have. And one day when I'm a parent, I'm sure that I'll be pulling <laughs> out my hair trying to figure out how I can do it. Um, but we talk a, a lot about this with our kids, and we ask them, when you're doing something you know is not right online, you know, we ask them, who's done something illegal online? Most of them out of a group mm-hmm. of fifty will raise their hand. Okay? Who has done something that you know that your parents would be upset about? All of them mm-hmm. raise their hand. And we say that we ask them, What what can we do to show you that you shouldn't do this? Or what could we have done? And almost all of them say it's about skill building. And what that comes from, I think, is parents relating to them in their own life. You know, when you have um, an 18-year-old or a 9-year-old saying to them, I have trouble sometimes online avoiding some things I shouldn't be doing. Sometimes I post things on people's walls that I probably shouldn't post. So They can relate to you. so They can talk about the issues. They can talk them through with you. Um, also, I think that role models is really essential here because kids, for some reason, and it happened with me too, I went through a black hole with my with my dad yeah. where I, he was just like my enemy for a good two years. um, where Anything he said or did was so uncool. Um, And luckily I came through that. But during that time, role models were essential for me. And my dad has told me later that he knew I was really close with my dance teacher at the time and a couple of um, school sports coaches. And he said to them, can you just talk to her? Can you make sure that she's, you know, knowing what values she needs to do? So I think that if you have a child, especially for this family with the 18-year-old, getting him a mentor you know, getting him an older brother or cousin or uncle to say what their experiences have been with looking at inappropriate sites and how they made the decision not to or to do it and getting punished from it. That way kids can feel like, A, they're not alone, and B, they have someone to talk to who isn't going to punish them. Because really, right. they're probably, he's probably struggling with it as much as they are.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and when you mentioned the role modeling, and I'm trying to picture how can we... Um, convert that now over to online or internet presence. I mean, so for, for those of us as parents, I mean, we want to be a role model. So, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, we we want to model the fact that we don't lie or we want to model the fact that we don't cheat or, you know, we, we model, you know, how you treat people so that they will treat people in the same way. Um, You know, it, it seems different. It would be different to model, you know, the internet by going, you know, I realize that you're not looking over my shoulder, but, um, you know, you know, I don't, you know, I don't access porn, so you shouldn't access porn. Or, you know, I don't, you know, you know, access extremely violent things, so you shouldn't.
0: Um, I think it's much more of a discussion. So it's, you know, sitting in the car or you know, sitting at a movie or over dinner and saying, you know, today one of my high school friends emailed me and, uh, you know, he had a couple pictures that I really didn't like that he put up, mm-hmm. um, and I wasn't sure how to handle it. Do you have any advice? What would you do if you were me? Um, Or uh, I know that I know that you know porn is becoming a really big issue, and they're actually they've been cracking down on people who are either putting up images or looking at porn. Do you think that's right of them? Do you think that's wrong? Do you think that's against your your rights? And opening up the conversation in a way that you're not lecturing or teaching, but seeing what what they think, because a lot of the times the biggest mistake I think parents make, and I I used to do it too until one of my teenagers called me on it is um, she said, you always you lead your questions. You know, you'll say things like, I know this is wrong, don't you think that's true? Or isn't that terrible? <laughs> um, instead of you' a lot of the time teenagers already know, they know that porn is bad, but they have to they have to decide why they think it's wrong. you know, is it is it because their parents don't let them or is it because they think it's demoralizing for women or is it they think it's because it sets up a false idea about relationships, you don't know what your kids already think about it could open up the conversation to see where they stand and then going from there instead of assuming that they don't think that, you know, it's bad for women. Maybe they already think that. Maybe their issue is that they think that it it's a way of, ex, you know, exploring their sexuality. But it's really important to feel see where they are at this point instead of lecturing them or assuming that they are somewhere that you haven't figured out yet.
2: Well, I,
1: I think that's great advice, um, and, and I hope that the parents are, are taking it in. Um, now, just personally, I mean, what what is your biggest concern right now for this generation?
0: Um, I would say it's social literacy, uh, meaning that, and this this covers the broad range. Um, you know, everything from spelling, <laughs> where you see kids who can't spell at all because they've used spell check and texting and email, and they've never had to write anything out, and they get into the SAT and they have to write their final essay, and it's a brilliant essay, but they misspell probably and definitely um, and maybe. Uh, I think that that's the, the easiest, most academic range of social literacy, and then there goes all the way up to um, not being able to look someone in the eye when you speak with them. Mm-hmm. I think that kids have very, very few real-life interactions now. They interact with their peers um, in real life at school and mostly online. They interact with parents who usually, especially in their teenage years, are telling them what to do, are talking down to them or arguing with them. And this isn't the fault of the parents. This is just the way I think it works with teenagers. <laughs> or teachers who are usually telling them what to do. So there's very little adult-to-teen interaction that's open, that's conversational. Or that, that's,
1: or that's um, positive is what you're saying.
0: More positive. So yeah. what happens is they get into the workplace and I can't tell you how many companies I speak with and I consult with This is a problem for, where they cannot have a conversation with their boss in an elevator. Um, they cannot just grab a coffee or, you know, take a business trip with them and be easy and casual. Either they're inappropriate because they treat them like a friend or they can't look at them in the eye because they're an authority figure. So I think that that's the extreme part of social literacy. And the biggest way that I think that adults or humans can solve this because it's happening even with 20-somethings, my generation, is just having all kinds of real-life conversations with the people around you, you know, encouraging family reunions, encouraging, you know, a mix of people to come over to your house, encouraging instead of on a Friday night, now a lot of kids are staying home and playing video games with their friends, having them come over at least and play video games together, Um, encouraging more of the real-life interactions is so important.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm noticing that too now. Even with the with the video games, uh, is that you can now go, and I I can't even think of the terminology now. But you know, it's you know, my son can be online and and he's talking to someone while he's online playing a game, and as he's talking about as he's talking to them, he's telling me afterwards that this person's in you know, Missouri, and he's talking to somebody else who's in England and, and stuff. And on the one hand, I'm thinking, well, this is great. He's interacting with people, you know, but on the other hand, uh, they're, you know, I don't know who they are. And, you know, and it it might be that that particular game is that he's talking to someone who, who he's being told is, you know, 14 or whatever. Maybe they're not, you know.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's exactly right. Yeah. And kids don't, usually see the problem with that you know or they think that you're overreacting if you have a problem with it so that's a very fine line between you know are you sure that this person is real you know and that's that sort of a leading question in itself or how do you know this who this person is how did you meet them how often do you talk to them opening up those questions and usually if you open them up in that sort of broad way they'll say yeah they say that they're a dab, but i'm not sure they really are they'll actually say it themselves instead of you saying how do you know they're real Mm-hmm. Um, that can usually make them be defensive with you. Yeah,
1: that makes sense. That makes good sense. Um, now, what are some of the things that, um, you know, I, I know that there's there's a ton of experts now. I turn on the television and, I mean, you know, there's uh, different talking heads now that are on with a variety of different things and, and I look at it and, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I. I I'm in my early 50s, so if I see somebody that's my age and they're telling me what's wrong with social networking, I'm looking at it and going, I don't know that you know more than me. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, where do you think that some of the experts are going wrong at this point?
0: Yeah, well, I think that uh, the first most basic thing is I hear, especially about the Internet, I hear a lot of experts say, um, make sure to leave the computer in, in, a, in a public room, and that will help. And I always cringe when they say that because um, it does. That, what happens then is a lot of parents will say, well, my computer's in the private room, I'm good. You're in a public room, I'm okay. And they sort of like put it out of their mind, mm-hmm. whereas you're not in the public room at all times, and kids are very good at covering screens up. And so they think that putting the computer in the public room means that you don't have to have discussions about it, means you don't have to set privacy controls, it means you don't have to um, you know, set time limits. So, yes, I think that it's a good idea to have a computer in a public room, especially for younger kids, but that does not mean that there's a thousand other things to do along with it, including having the talk, including setting privacy controls on your Google and your search engines, um, which we talk about on our website, including keeping a password and user log with them, including giving them time limits. So make sure that if, if you're doing that, there's a lot of things that go along with it, and that is not a foolproof method. Um, that's a very concrete thing that I think I hear a lot of experts saying. Um, the second thing in, in terms of experts is there's always, people always have to be able to say, I don't know. And a lot of, we get a lot of questions, we get a lot of questions from teenagers especially who will email something, and we are not afraid to say that we don't know because I think that any no expert knows all the answers to all the right. questions. And part of the best thing is that you are an expert for your own child. Mm-hmm. You are the only expert for your own child and saying to your kid, you know what, I don't know the answer to that, but let's figure it out together is like the most important process you can go through with your child and thinking that you are your your child's only expert is is paramount to any advice you're going to be getting from the outside and that includes from our website and that includes from anything, any, any other books you might read.
1: Now, and you mentioned your website and, and it, make sure that I'm understanding it correctly uh, so that our listeners are as well. They can go on your website and somebody will literally show them how to put um, to put uh, parent controls on their own computer because I think a lot of parents, when you talked about not wanting to say they don't know, they don't even know how to do that.
0: Yeah, so if you go onto our website which is RadicalParenting.com and we have a whole bunch of posts on the internet, you can actually search parental controls and we have like demos, free demos that we've shown on how to set privacy settings. We've reviewed a bunch of different parental control software and given the ones that we like the best, compared the costs, compared to, you know, controls compared to ease of use. So you can look at all the different reviews, you can look at all the videos and then choose what's best for your family. Again, you're you're the best expert. You know if you have boys, you know what, you're going to be having different kinds of software than you're going to have for girls. <laughs> That's just the way it works. Mm -hmm. It's a different kind of worry. (laughs) Um, So we do all those reviews and all those video demos, yeah.
1: Well, now, the things that you're talking about, all the things that your site does, this is one of the reasons why I made this a Catch Them Doing Something Good edition, because i got to tell you, you guys are really doing something great. And what I want to do. Oh,
2: thank you.
1: <laughs> okay, we're, we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, let's talk more about some of the, the positive parts of the Internet. So we're going yeah. to take, take a break for about one minute. Everybody, hang in there. We will be right back.
2: Founded over 25 years ago. To meet the needs of families in crisis, WestShield specializes in resolving adolescent issues that negatively impact the family. From preteen to young adult, we are experienced and qualified to help. We offer solutions which include referrals to a network of top professionals internationally that we work very closely with in the fields of educational consulting, psychology, and psychiatry. Our in-home crisis intervention care program helps to stabilize families and bring effective resolution. We are supported by our licensed investigation company that enables us to offer legal and expert services for locating runaway teens and more. Our therapeutic transportation services help to ensure that adolescents in crisis are safely provided transportation to specialized schools and programs with unmatched experience and success. Simply put, Westfield Adolescent Services is the best solution when your family is facing personal crisis. Call 1-800-899-8585 and let us help you. All right, we are back. Uh
1: we I've always wondered why it makes that little noise as soon as we come back. <laughs> Um we are we are back with Vanessa Van Petten and we are talking about the internet. We are talking about social networking and we're talking about what we can do uh, in regards to our children being online. And uh, we've talked about some of the downside of it. Really want to go into some of the positive parts because I know that there are a lot of them, uh, especially as it relates to schooling. So uh, Vanessa, let's let's touch on some of the real benefits that the kids are getting from it.
0: Sure. Um, well, there's a lot of different things I think, and and we love to talk about the good and the bad. So I'm so happy that you're you're bringing up both sides because I think that a lot of parents are really freaked out. But there's some great things that are happening online. Um, the first is is that we're seeing a lot more creativity and a lot more self initiative. You know, you had kids who were um, always creative or maybe they did arts and crafts projects, but now they can actually do things online. You have um, a lot of kids who have started their own businesses, you know, when I was 16, that's when I wrote my first book, uh, and I was able to find almost everything I needed online. I looked up how to self-publish online. I looked up copyright. I filed for the copyright office online. I did all that by myself, um, and that was totally the online web portal. So the first thing is really in- information and access.
2: Now, um,
1: the, I don't know
0: if you've had any experience with this. That's well, a really big one that we're seeing a lot about.
1: Well, let, let me interject real quick. Will you just mention all of those things for any of the young people that are listening, or maybe older? Um, do you have um, something about that? In other words, you know, where they can go to self-publish, where they can go to to gain some of those things as well?
0: Sure. Yeah, we do. Um, we have a, a couple of different uh, articles on our blog. One is called uh, the 25 Coolest Websites. And a lot of those have to do with starting your own business. So a couple of them, for example, one of them that kids love right now is called um, Threadless, and that's a place where kids can submit their own T-shirt designs, you know. And a lot, and then they actually pick the real designs, and people can buy their T-shirt. And it's a great way of a sharing their designs, b being creative, and c they're able to make some very good money um, selling their designs. Right. So we have that as listed as one of them. We also have one called InventNow.org, where one of our kids, uh, he's seven. And what it is is it gives kids grants to uh, come up with little inventions. And what he did was he was watching a video about octopus behavior
2: Mm -hmm. in
0: science class. And he put suction cups to the bottom of his bike wheels, like all over his bike wheels. And he can now ride his bike up walls (laughs) Um, because the (laughs) suction cup works on the walls. And he he can ride along the side of walls and the side of lockers and things. And he got funding for it. And I think that Nike just bought it for one of their uh, bikes, new bikes coming out. So um, that's another great example of a website that empowered this awesome, creative um, oh, uh, boy yeah. to think outside the box and spend some weekends doing his own project. And he had to write up a little proposal and, you know, it really made him feel great about himself. And we're not, I know we're not talking about drugs and alcohol today, but I think that's one of the biggest ways that we can help kids Say no, or mm-hmm. you know, make the right choices, which yeah. is to make them feel awesome about
1: themselves. Right. Yeah. Keep saying yes to the to the really positive things, and you don't have time to worry about the other.
0: Exactly. I also think that the internet, and I briefly touched on this earlier, is bringing new ways for generations to communicate. One of the families that I work with, he the dad travels a lot. He's always he's always traveling, and you know, he used to call home. And he would be talking to his kids and, you know, they would sort of, hi, dad, you know, how are you? Yep, uh-huh, yep, good, fine, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, that was sort of the conversation when he was gone. And he's always saying that he feels like he just can't reach them when he's away and it makes him really sad. So what happened was is he um, started playing World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, with his son on World of Warcraft, and they would wear like little headsets and they would play the game together at when he got home to the hotel he would be in Tokyo or he'd be in New York, and he would be able to play World of Warcraft with his son and in between the games he would you know he would talk to him about school about friends, and he was able to learn a lot about his son and the way he was developing as a person because he saw how he was in the game
2: mm-hmm. and he was
0: able to talk to him about it so I think that that's another great example of a way that technology is bridging the gap
1: <laughs> no and, and <laughs> but y- you're account. right you're right and and i think that's a great point and it actually reminds me in dealing with a, a a particular family and one of the things that we did and the particular boy was was into a lot of of internet type games including even just you know internet baseball you know as far as you know a, a video game and one of the things in trying to get this boy and his and his father to do more things together because um, I kept saying to the boy, he showed me how to do it. The boy showed me as when I was working with him. And I said, well, what about your dad? And he said, my dad's a dork. He goes, yeah. <laughs> he goes my dad doesn't know how to do any of this stuff. And I yeah. said, you know, I said, how do you know? He goes, well, even if he did, he doesn't have time. And I ended up getting a copy of one of the games that the boy played. I gave it to the dad and I said, part of his assignment was to learn this game at work by himself. And and yeah. he, he was the owner of the company so he could do that. But yeah. you know you know, learn this game and then you know, sit down with your son and ask your son to show it to you. And when he shows it to you, you're gonna you're gonna grasp it so quickly and I'll bet the next time I talk to him, and sure enough, the next time I talk to the son and I asked how things were going, he goes, Wow, he goes, you know what? He goes, my dad's not so much of a dork afterwards because, you know, I was teaching him such and such a game and he got it really quick. In fact, now he's as good as me. And he was so excited about the fact that they were doing something together. Yep. So that's, yep. that's why yep. I, I love what you're saying because it's, you know, pick something that, that your, your child loves and learn it and do it with them. You know, and eventually, you know, you guys will do other things and it might not, you know, always be exactly what you want but it will be something that will make them happy. And if they're not doing something with you, they're going to be doing something with somebody else, and you may not like the result.
0: Exactly. No, I I totally agree. Um, One of the other, you know, good things about being online, and there's lots, I think, uh, is that when kids come home from school, it's so hard to get them to open up. And I think that we always, our posts about table topics and conversation starters are always really popular. And we pick a a top teen YouTube video of the week. And this is actually one of the best conversation starters I think you can have. And one of the best ways you can bond with your kids. You know, a lot of kids, they think that parents don't want to watch the funny YouTube videos. They Mm -hmm. think that... You know, parents wouldn't get it anyway. So using some of the things online as conversation starters can be really, really great. Uh, like this happened, I think, with TV also. When it first started coming out is sitting down with your kids and watching TV shows with them. It's, you know, hey, have you seen... You can't get them to open up. Hey, have you seen the new YouTube video that Fred did? Do you like Fred? You know, and, mm-hmm. and most kids know who Fred is. If you don't, be sure to go to our website and we'll uh, explain it to you. <laughs> He's one of the most subscribed channels on YouTube. I think he's actually the most subscribed channel on YouTube, and he's very popular with tweens and teens. Um, and, you know, they'll be so shocked that you, A, are interested, mm-hmm. um, B, that you care enough to bring it up to them, and C, that you're willing to hear what they think about it. Now, a lot of adults find Fred terribly annoying. Basically, what he is is he's a, he is a boy who, an- like, um, animatrizes his voice, so it sort of sounds like this. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of like a chipmunk. Um, he does all these jokes, and he kind of runs around his room, and he acts like he's really crazy, and kids just find it hysterical. Um, but you're willing to try to see what why they like it, to talk to them about it. And that's such a great way of getting them to open up to you so that when something they don't like comes up on the screen, they're willing to talk to you about that as well.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's that's a great point. And, and yes, I can think of some, um, in fact, uh, what was, I think it was Tyus, wasn't that the name of the dog that rode a skateboard? Or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. and 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 when I saw that one, and and immediately, and I saved it, and then and when my boys got home from school, and I called them in, and I said, you know, come here, I want to share this with you, and I wanted to show it to them. And they thought it was great. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I think that that's that's a great point, And what you're saying is take it a little further, ask them what they they think about it, or maybe ask them to share, to pick out one that's theirs. And now we're sharing, you know, two, three, or four of them, depending, or however many people are in the family. So I love
0: it. Exactly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> All right. So what what else you got? And actually, I just glanced over at the clock, and I cannot believe it. We have only got about five minutes. Um. So so um. Let's let's see if we can if we can keep this roll going in regards to some of the positive things. Or I mean, are there any other specific things? Or like maybe the the most asked questions that you get, so that we know that we're answering as many questions as possible for everybody out there.
0: Um. Let's see. I, I think that. You know, there's something that I always like to say to parents, and I think it resonates really well, and it, it definitely drives with our message that we're always trying to send. And I think that when you talk to teens, this is what they want their parents to hear most. So I'm gonna, I'll am gonna, i share it with you because I think it's the most frequent thing that we sh- – I wish we got asked more from parents, but we don't because it's what parent- kids want to share with their parents most. And um, I, I share it with a story. It's that there was uh, two Harvard researchers. They were anthropologists and they both worked at Harvard, and they had a baby together. They were married, they had a baby, and uh, when the baby was only a few months old, you know, slowly starting to speak, um, but very, um, you know, baby talk, you know, very little words and sort of, you know, not complete sentences, and they would talk to the baby back and forth, you know, do you have fun today? You know, how is school? You know, they would talk like you talk to a baby.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And they'd put the baby to sleep at night, and um, they realized that, Uh, It was a little girl, and they realized she was talking to herself at night before bed. And they were like, I wonder what she's saying to herself. So they put in uh, tape recorders in the room to hear what she was talking about to herself. She talked for about 15 or 20 minutes every night before bed. And they realized, and they listened to the tape, that she was having extremely advanced conversations with herself, more advanced than they would ever heard her speak in real life (laughs) when they were talking to her. And they were shocked. And they started doing more research with other babies, and they realized that their daughter had been dumbing down to speak the way that they spoke to her. Oh, wow. So she was mimicking how her parents were speaking to her, but she could actually speak much more advanced (laughs) than they even realized. And um, I I found this story just amazing because I think that it speaks to a larger uh, trend that happens with parents and adults, and it's that. Usually, your teenagers are much more mature, mature and insightful, and intelligent than we even expect. Um, I find that I'll ask, you know, 11, 12, 13-year-olds very, very deep and meaningful questions that they've never been asked before. But they do, they can rise to the occasion. They can respond to you. And so I say this to parents because I think that it's important for them to realize that. If you treat your children mature and responsible, they usually will rise to the occasion, and occasionally they will dumb down for you, <laughs> so that if you expect the worst, they will act the worst, um, and so I hope that that sort of um, sheds some light on, I think, the way that youth think about interacting with their parents. <laughs>
1: uh, I think that's, that's a great point that you make. Uh, I think a lot of us get caught up in it, but I think the reality of it is, and something that I've said is... I have absolute faith that my kids will be much smarter than me. Uh, so, but I think what you're saying is, is that you know the fact that we may recognize that doesn't mean that we have to wait. It's not like they're going to be smarter than me when they reach a certain age. Uh, they can evolve rather quickly. They can get there quickly, and and I'm really glad that you shared that because uh, I think it's yeah. a good point. Now, uh, again, like I said, I. I, I I've got a lot more questions, but we're running out of time. Well, my first question then is, can we have you back? Oh sure. <laughs> okay, great. Anytime,
0: anytime. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I,
1: I would absolutely love that. Now, if anybody has additional questions, if you're driving out there and you're not able to take down any information, you can come to our site. It's answers. The numeral four. Thefamily. dot com. We will forward you the information that you need to get to Vanessa's site. But Vanessa, again, one more time, if they want sure. to get straight to you. How do they do that?
0: Radicalparenting.com.
1: All right. That's radicalparenting.com. Vanessa, again, thank you so much for coming on, and I look forward to having you on again. Thank you for being out there. Thank you for helping us as parents and helping our kids.
0: Thank you so much.
1: You're very welcome. All right. Bye now.
0: listening to Answers for the Family with Alan Cardoza. Alan Cardoza. Only on LA Talk Radio. You're listening to the home of cool, irreverent, and entertaining
1: talk right here on LA Talk Radio.